welcome to the suck. So um, this is Semper Sometimes with Benny, but this is my episode called The Suck, where I talk about recruiting duty. And why is it called The Suck? Because that's literally what a lot of people refer to it as, um, <laughs> because it is a, a long three-year deployment. Um, and what I love about these episodes is talking to, it's my first live one, um, so it's going to be very different. Um, but I, I, I'm already excited about it um, because recruiting duty is the love of my life besides my wife and my family. Um, I got to add that in there or my wife will kill me. Right. Um, but it's a beauty. It's a beauty and it's a curse. Um, you either love it or you hate it. You really don't meet anybody who's in the middle. Um, like, I don't know if you agree with that. No, hundred um, percent. I, I really do. That's, that's some real <laughs> shit. Yeah. So, um, so without further ado, we have the rookie recruiter of the year, um, from Florida, um, Tino. I'm gonna drop it as. Um, so, tell us a little bit about you, man. Um, kind of just give us a background on who you are. Um, before we even talk about the Marine Corps side of the house, but who is Tino? All right. So Tino, um. I'm originally from Georgia. I was, I was born in Tampa, Florida, near Tampa, Florida, a little place called Bartow. Uh, first generation American. Both my parents were illegal immigrants, but, you know, thanks to Ronald Reagan, they, they got their green card back in the 80s. So, um, you know, kudos to him. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a super rural uh, town called Lyons, Georgia. Um, no real aspirations to ever be a Marine because I didn't know what the Marines were growing up the entire time. Like you got to think that's how rural this place was. Bro, uh, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm already excited about this. Yeah. I love when people, I love when people tell me they never wanted to be a Marine and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. Like the, the, my, um, you know, the only thing that I knew that there, I mean, my, my experience with the military growing up was basically like, um, being, uh, the son of, a, of, of migrant workers basically working in the fields, right? The only thing that I would ever see military-wise was, like, helicopters flying overhead as they were going to Hunter Army Airfield. So, like, I was like, oh, I guess the Army just does everything, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, um, grew up in that small town. Um, then when I was about 18, decided to go to college. You know, typical no, no next steps. You know, obviously, college is the next step because that's what everybody tells you to do. And then I had a buddy of mine um, join the Marine Corps in my freshman year. And that's when I realized what the Marine Corps was. And then, you know, that was about 12 years ago. And then, boom, here we are now. So, damn. Yeah. So why? So I, I, and I know that's the staple thing, right? Everybody says, hey, go, graduate high school, go to college. Um, <laughs> besides that, was there a reason why you wanted to go to college or was it just simply like, Hey, this is what you do in America. That's the next thing you do. Um, I think it, the, the reason that I, I always had good intentions going to college. So like I said, first generation American, right? My parents, I mean, my dad, he, he dropped out in like sixth grade in Mexico. And then my oh, wow. mom, my mom, she learned how to read and write by like reading the Bible every night. Oh, wow. She didn't, she didn't go to school. So like, and this is, this is something that I, I was telling somebody about the other day is like the emphasis that Latinos put on like going to school blindly yeah. almost um, is yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was it is I, I just knew like my sister was, you know, the first one in the immediate family to graduate high school. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I got to do that and then go to college. Um, mm. 
so that that's kind of why it was just uh, I had an opportunity to go to a college basically for free um, because I was a, a a son of a migrant you know family, and they basically gave me a scholarship to this place called ABAC in Tifton, Georgia. Which if you've never been there, you're not missing much. Um, <laughs> it's it's the reading capital of the world if you wanted to know. Um, <laughs> the reading capital of the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember how does, like how do you how do you get that title? Like, I, I don't know. know. I, I have no idea. Um, uh, but yeah, super rural agricultural college in Georgia who was just trying to diversify basically their students. So they decided to give you know migrant students a chance to go to college for free. I'm pretty sure there was some kickbacks to that program. Obviously, you know they're not going to do anything for free. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 was pretty much why I went to college versus you know go the traditional route of uh just working um or you know join the military yeah uh i did i did work a lot um growing up um uh, something that isn't really too weird for me but when i tell people about what i did growing up it's like wow like that's really a thing but like we used to help our parents out in the fields basically like whatever they were picking whatever was in season right um uh that's my son um onions, tomatoes, uh, you know, stuff like that. And so I was getting paid under the table pretty much when I was like 13. So like during the summers, you know, I had some money. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I eventually started working with my family's business up in Atlanta. Um, and that's kind of what I did for a little bit while I was waiting on, on uh, word from the Marine Corps because I was actually a BUMED. Mm. Um, <laughs> I had back surgery when I was young, so like, oh wow, that's a huge bumed, right? It's like a hail mary. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it happened, and while I was waiting on that bumed, I was doing construction, which is pretty funny because back surgery, doing construction, you'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. But that was good. So how how did your parents feel about the whole thing? Like when you told them, were they happy? Were they not about it? Were they about it? What was their thoughts? Um, they were hundred percent against it. Um, <laughs> they were. They uh, so I didn't realize this till later, but basically, when people think of the like, well, I mean, at least for Mexicans, right? I, I don't know about the rest of the Latino populace, but um, they usually think of like individuals that do that as it's kind of like corrupt almost. Because I mean, we're we're not gonna beat around the bush. Like, th th there's some corrupt shit that goes on down there, right? So. Um, that that was what I gathered from them was basically they were like, no, you got to do something more like honorable and you got to do something like mm -hmm. you have to like, you know, get your bachelor's and, and become a lawyer or a doctor or something. Right. With the status. Um, yeah. So they didn't really associate like military service with like such honor and prestige as like we do here. But yeah. I pretty much I, I wanted to do it because I thought it was cool. <laughs> Like, you know, 19 year old me um, honestly thought, you know, going to the military was a safe route. And I met my buddy or uh, my, my buddy, he joined the Marine Corps. His name's Cody Carter. Um, but he got like this. Um, he, he came down with basically spinal meningitis in like the second phase of boot camp. Right. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. He, he's getting like airlifted off of, like Paris Island to Buford, like you know, pretty much dying. Um, and, uh, that's when I met yeah. my first, um, Marine in general, not a recruiter or anything, but I met, I met, uh, 
I met them at the hospital in Savannah as they were like basically tending to his family because this guy, at that time they were like, yeah, this dude's going to die. So, um, tons of Marines. That's one thing I always tell everybody. It was like, that was like my first taste of the Marine Corps was, you know, when we talk about pride, belonging, brotherhood, um, I always bring that up because, you know, there was like 10, 15 Marines there. Some of them probably didn't even know Cody, but they just knew that the family of a Marine Corps recruit was going through it. So the least they could do yeah. it, at least like be there in their blues, you know? Yeah, dude. Uh, it's, and that's the reality of it, man. Like, you know, I had somebody ask me today what the, the meaning of my, the title of my show is, Semper Sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of people get really aggravated. Like a lot of Marines get like really mad and bent out of shape because of the name of the podcast. And they're like, oh, he's probably some disgruntled veteran who's just all <laughs> mad and talks about all this stuff. And a lot of people were, and, and I've had people say that the title of the show could distract people or push people away. And I was like, okay, well then, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, kids, but the reason why, the reason why, thank you. The reason why I did that is because like, everybody says Semper Fi, everybody says always faithful. But the reality of it is, are we? Are we always faithful? Yeah. And and sometimes we're not. Like, well, what's going on, bro? This is Mike. So, what's up, Mike? <laughs> so, um, you know, so a lot of times, you know, we'll say, hey, man, I got you, got your back, got your six, got your front, whatever. Call me if you need me. And then, you know, a year goes by, you're no longer on active duty, and you haven't received a phone call from anybody. My and you're like, yo, where'd they all go? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, I was like, you know, and it was something that I always thought, you know, because I, I like I like Semper Gumby, but it's already there. It's already taken. So I was like, I can't really just make that my own. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is because, like, that's why I joined the Marine Corps is because of the pride of belonging, the legitimate pride of belonging. Like yeah. you said, you know, like when you, you know, when you have someone sick or someone's in need, you know, Marines come out of the woodwork and people find, like, if someone finds out you're a Marine, the whole world changes. Yeah. Like the whole entire situation changes. It's like, wait, hold on. Oh, wait, what? What would you say? It's like you're speaking in tongues and all of a sudden something happens. Yeah. Um, so, it, dude, it really is, man. Like it's it's insane, especially in the civilian sector where like you're not, you know, now being a Marine means something. Like on base, you're all Marines. So it's like, you're a Marine, I'm a Marine. It doesn't really mean that much. But when you're out of the Marine Corps and you're a civilian, and you say that, and then all of a sudden you realize how many Marines there are all over, all around you. It's freaking weird. Yeah, like as small crazy. as like the branches, it's crazy how many Marines are surrounded by you. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. But um, so how did you do recruiting duty? All right, just get to the. We'll cut to the chase. Uh -huh. Did you volunteer? Did you get voluntold? How'd that whole thing happen? So the full story is um, <laughs> the full the full story is that I was pretty much, I knew that I was in a different place than most Marines because I lateral moved. So okay. um, I lateral moved. I was originally, my first five years, I was an avionics nerd, right? So I worked on okay. Hueys and Cobras with HMLA. You, once. Look, you look like you would be a, a aviation. Like you, you <laughs> have the look. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or not, but I, I mean, <laughs> but, uh, um, no, so I was I was with HMLA one six nine world famous Vipers and um, oh that's why you never have haircuts. Yeah, dude, you you know what, man? Ever since, 
ever you you said what you said i'll tell you off topic what you said that day put me in check and i appreciate you um, <laughs> it was like would you would you tell gunny oh it was just one of those days i'm like you know what man you're right but um <laughs> no uh so i was i was with hmla 169 for my first five years in the marine corps and then um i had a really solid career planner like solid you know what i'm saying um and we stood i, I think it was basically because we stood post in afghanistan a lot um, I was a Lance Corporal, he was a sergeant and he was, you know, some, a sergeant with some salt on him, you know, he had been around and he was like, Hey man, look, you know, you're, if you're disgruntled because, you know, you, um, work a lot of hours, which the air wing does, there's no secret behind that. Um, heard. you know, then you should check out other, other opportunities that the Marine Corps has. And, um, you know, recruiter or career planners are basically taught, you know, at, B, at BRC, right? So now like full circle, I'm like, dang, like he may have MC three'd me, but he was, just a, <laughs> he was just a real dude. Um, yeah. he was just a real guy. This is my daughter, Raylene. And, um, hey. he, uh, he, he pretty much said, Hey, you know, you've got a pretty good ASVAB score. You've got great worth ethic. Why don't you look into like other options, you know? So I did, um, I looked at the critical fill MOSs that there were at the time and there was 0211 and 0241 and you know honestly um honestly um just went went for 0241 i can't tell you why it ended up working out great uh, as an imagery what, analyst. what is that imagery analyst basically you're you're you do imagery you do satellite imagery geospatial intelligence make maps look at maps stuff like that Nerds. wait a minute hold on hold on you can do that in the marine corps yeah it's wild no uh, way yeah so um yeah and another talking point too that i always use during recruiting duty it was just like i didn't know that was a thing i yeah. looking back i was so oblivious to how the marine corps operated and everything um yeah. you know especially when you're like in your little area in your little like mos you think everything is just like like you could be motor t you would think the marine corps revolves around motor t like it, that's that's just that's marines right you're not yeah. wrong bro <laughs> so and that's the, uh, and that's the thing too is like you, there's so many and you already hit you already said it but the reality of it is, is that there's marines that are in the marine corps 30 years and there's so much stuff that you have no clue and even like and especially like when it comes to the marine corps reserves mm -hmm. dude i've met so many reservists that are like master guns that i ask them questions about certain things and they're like i don't know yeah i don't know and, <laughs> and it's just like and it's crazy and that's why like when it comes to recruiting duty I, I hate the fact that nobody's like people expect the active duty Marine to be able to sell the reserve program efficiently. And it's like, yeah. how, like how they don't yeah. have the ability to do so. And that's why like people end up getting called liars because it's like, no, we're just misinformed, you yeah. know? And that's why, like one of the things that I've said numerous times is that there's an, like there, just like on active duty, there's career planners, there's, active reserve marines whose job it is to be the career planner for the reserve program mm -hmm. so what should happen is that while you guys are at brc there should be a career course instructor that is essentially talking to you about the reserve program even if it's just two days yeah just just give you some sort of information because literally every active duty marine just says Oh yeah, dude, you work two week, two days out of the month and then two <laughs> weeks in the summer. And then yeah. that's it. That's all you say. Like, you're like, how do I sell the reserves? And you're like, mm -hmm. 
part, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, part, oh, have you heard about our part-time option? That's what yeah, I, that, that, that's yeah. my favorite phrase. Hey, um, bro, I'd say that was my favorite phrase. That was my, that was my favorite phrase, bro, because I loved it because like no one knows, like, so there's certain ribbons that only reservists get and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know them. So like yeah. I can spot a reservist from their uniform, but most active duty Marines don't know that mm -hmm. those, that those ribbons are specifically for reserve Marines. Mm -hmm. So like, I would love when people would meet me for the first time and talk all this shit about the reserve program and their reservists being bad leaders and all this stuff. And I would be standing there with like my 13 ribbons. And then I would look at their three and I would just be like, Oh yeah, man, those guys are freaking, they don't do shit, bro. They never deploy. They don't do anything. And they'd be yeah. like, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, man, this is just for, if you want to skyrocket your viewers, we need to get reserve Marines to talk about the reserve program, because I bet you, however many recruiters are on the bag right now at Micric will be tuned in watching that because you cannot get enough reserve product knowledge. You cannot. Like, yeah. um, no, I, bro, that's one of my, I did an episode on it. Um, and it was one of like, I had like 400 views. It was like one of my number one episodes because it yeah, was like literally like, like, boom. Yeah. Because like, there's just, there's so much stuff that you can do in the reserve program that nobody knows about. Yeah. And then like, and then active, and the thing too is, is that active duty Marines who get off the duty, mm. who get out of the Marine Corps think, oh, I got to get out. It's like, no, 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 no. There's a lot of opportunities in the reserve program that you can continue on to if you actually just looked into it. Yeah. But, um, so how have you, so like I said before, alluding to the fact, how have you, how did you receive the duty? Like, mm. did you enjoy it? Did you love it? Did you come yeah. out here? Like. Did you, were you like everybody else? Were you told like, oh my God, bro, you're going to hate it. <laughs> like, were you given a negative feedback oh, right man. off the jump? Like, I, so I've had a really bad um, issue with being overly optimistic. Like mm. you, you could have, and this isn't to gloat or boast or anything, but I my back could be against the wall in a in a knife in, in a gunfight with a knife, and I still believe like I could get out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's just Amen. that's how I've always been. That, that yeah. I mean, that's that's my mom. That's my mom. She was a, a fighter. I mean, she still. You is. can tell that about you. Like you, yeah. I can tell that from like the first time me and you talked, and then we went live, and like, I can tell that about your aura, as some may say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, when I volunteered for an SDA, like I said, I was in a weird, I was in a weird predicament. Most Marines right here on their SDA, um, they're, they're maybe, maybe they're, most of them are on their first or they're on their second enlistment, right? Yeah. Um, most of them, right. Some of them, they kind of avoided it, you know, and then others, like one dude in my BRC class, he was like 16 years in or something like that. I, I don't like, understand it, bro. I, I would either. love for someone to explain this shit to me, bro. Yeah, I would I love, bro. I I, I want to know. Hey, if you're listening right now, <laughs> the the powers that be, I want to understand why y'all sent gunnies out here. Yeah. I, and then and then the worst part about I know we keep getting off of tangents, but the worst part is when you put a gunny on the duty where somebody who's about to get selected the gunny, then they come out here and then immediately what happens? The CEO, yeah. the sergeant major are like, he's gonna be a boss. And mm -hmm. it's like, bro, he knows nothing about this MOS. Why are we making him a boss? Oh, he's a gunny. He's a gunny. 
And yeah. then it's um, like, so I would love to know if somebody can give me that answer, please tell me why you put gunnies on a, on an SDA needs of the Marine Corps. And then, and then, and then yet there's people who've never done an SDA. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I knew, I knew that that couldn't be me. Um, because I, I would all, I didn't want to like keep like I, the lap move gave me like a legit reason to like, you know, put it off. Um, yeah. And then, so once it came around that, you know, I had to figure out what to do next. I said, well, I got to do an SDA. I don't know which one it is. So we were on, I was on the 26 Mu at the time and the Sergeant Major put on basically like his own roadshow with Marines that were on the Mu that were recruiters, MSG and drill instructors, right? My last one that I wanted to do was recruiting duty. Like, I was like, okay, you know what? I could be, I could be a drill instructor for sure. Or, you know, MSG, from what I've heard, um, you know, I, I already had um, some experience working with the State Department. It's pretty rigorous what they're going to, like, look into. So I had heard that the school and, like, basically the selection process was the worst part. Once you were a deck commander, like, you were set. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so in, in a way, I kind of doubted myself. But at the same time, too, you know, being in the intel community, I kind of, kind of, I felt like I wanted to get away from that. Um as a break, I guess. Um, so then, um, I just decided that recruiting was going to be it. Originally I put in a volunteer SDA package for a drill instructor on the West coast and I got it. And then, um, I, I couldn't tell you why. I think it was more so me like thinking about, dang, you know what? Your boy was a Bumed. He's getting older. Am I going to run the risk of like, you know, hurting myself again, even though like I go to the gym like every day, stuff like that. Honestly, like, I just looked at recruiting duty and I, I said, you know what, let's just send it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, mm. they both look challenging. I'm not really going to, like, think I'm, like, shorting myself one or the other. Hats off to all the drill instructors. I mean, they know what they do. They know what they go through. Unless yeah. you can't comprehend what it's like. Um, so, yeah, yeah. you know, like, my hat's off to them. But to me, I just felt like my personality would probably be better off as a recruiter. Okay. Um, that and like we talked about, you know, I, I hate getting haircuts. So um, once once I knew that I was going to BRC, I just took a big dose of optim. I mean, again, like uh, it's it's like one of my corporals said, show up tomorrow morning with a fresh shave, fresh haircut and a positive Marine Corps attitude. And that's just what I did. So yeah. um, I just showed up to BRC. The funny thing is, is you couldn't tell that I was optimistic about being there because I lost my luggage, so like at the at, at three tech twenty, anybody that's in three tech twenty, you probably remember a dude walking up in civvies all the way to the front of the line, and just all I was gonna do was oh. tell all I was gonna do was at that point tell Gunny Diavolar, which I think now he's a master gun select. Um, at that point, I was just gonna tell him, "Hey, Gunny, I lost my luggage. I have my orders. What do you want me to do?" And he just looked at me. He's like ain't no way the staffs aren't lost his luggage and is going to show up. So he just, I, he took it probably as best he could. He just said, Hey, what recruiter do you, or what instructor do you want? And I just saw a familiar name on there. Uh, Gunny Quintero at the time, Master Sergeant Quintero now. And so I just said, let's go. And then, um, he's really the one like legitimately as cheesy as it sounds, but as a, as a bait, uh, as a recruiter instructor there at the schoolhouse, he just, I mean, I, I, I related to him well. He was an Air Wing Mar Marine as well. 
we had been in the same squadron together and I just looked at him like, man, like this dude really believes what he's saying. You know, the stigmas and all that that comes with recruiting duty, that it's like a cheap car salesman and stuff like that. He's just crushing them. And uh, and that's just how I took it. All, all I really wanted to do was live up to his um, live up to, to the hype that he wanted me to, to live up to. And I just I just sent it for a, a year. That was about it. Damn. So um, so realistically, the answer to it all is just have a positive mindset and just yeah. do the work. Yeah. But so you listen to the whole thing your corporal said with the haircut part. Yes. But we're good on yeah. that. All right, no doubt. Um, but now, nah, so listen, man, I, I, I want to, and that's the thing, and I'm glad you brought it up because I don't know how many people that I've met on recruiting duty that come walking in the office. And that's why, like, I'm, I'm a huge, like, my biggest thing is a haircut. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's a Marine Corps order. Yeah. It's just that, to, especially in New Jersey, if you walk around and you don't have a fresh haircut, anybody you talk to is going to walk away from you. <laughs> no one's going to yeah. respect you. No yeah. one's going to want to chop it up to you. You're going to get roasted. So you immediately cannot talk to the younger generation if you do not look the part. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, you don't, as a Marine, if you don't dress and feel like a Marine, then you're not going to act and feel like a Marine. Mm-hmm. And if you've been getting your haircut for 12 years in the Marine Corps every single weekend, and now all of a sudden you're not making time for that, then it, it's going to reflect in your, in your performance. That's my personal opinion. Now, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that I've never gone, you know, two, three weeks without a haircut. I've yeah. had those days, not good ones. But like personally, I got to the point where like, you could ask my boy Morales, bro. I was getting haircuts like two, three times a week. Like if I ever went to a table set up, I had a haircut. If mm-hmm. I ever went to an any event period, I had a fresh haircut. And and to the point where like the kids in the high school knew the barbershop that I went to. Like I was like stuff like that. But um but it's just like you're talking about with the positive mindset is I don't know how many recruiters I've met. Like my boy Cuevas, I love him to death. Like my boy, like I love to do the death. But dude came to work every single day looking like Eeyore. And it's like, bro, <laughs> you're yeah. you're built as fuck. You're a Dominican dude. Most Dominican people you meet have swag. Yeah. They know how to talk. They know how to joke. Maybe they have a thick accent, but they're confident. They've got swag and they can bullshit with anybody. Yeah. This dude is like the biggest Dominican Eeyore you've ever met in your life. He, you know, when you come in the office every morning, you're like, what's going on? That's hard. It's like, bro, like, come on, like, get up, you know, do whatever you got to do. Because if you have, if you're coming into every day with a negative attitude, then you're never going to want to be successful. You're never good. No one, and no one's going to want to talk to you. Yeah. Like, you know, like I remember back in the day, like my boy and my gunny, he used to just call it limp dicking. He would just be like, yo, will you stop limp dicking? And we'd all be like, yo, what? And he'd be like, you know, you just limp dicking around. He's like, bro, you're never hard. And it's like, bro, okay, all right, gunny. But it's like, it's the reality of it, man. Like, yeah. nobody's walking around with a sense of urgency, you know? And, and a lot of it is just due to the fact that, like, when you get to work, you know that, like, it's like, oh, well, we're going to be here all day anyway, so why not? But like, yeah. so my question for you is, you know, every AO is different. Every command is different. How did you, like, what was your, what was your day like 
that led you? Because clearly I get it. Positive attitude is going to win dates. But mm. there's a lot more to it. So yeah. what was your what was your battle rhythm that led to you becoming the rookie recruiter of the year? And then you also became the staff and COFC. So clearly there was something you were doing that they were like, hey, we need this guy in the seat. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the biggest, my niche or so, as I would say, my, my battle rhythm um, honestly was, you know, um, first of all, the, the biggest thing that I think that I did right was I stayed in shape the entire time. Well, not, not fleet shape, you know what I'm saying? But the gym, you got to make time for it. Number one, right? Uh, it's just like, um, you know, prime time said, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good. They pay good. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I took that into aspect because you're, you're a military recruiter, you're a Marine Corps recruiter. What, do, what do people expect out of Marines? They expect them to be fit. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, um, as your uniform was looking good. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I, I would basically get to work, um, I had basically three bosses the entire time that I was uh, a recruiter. One was a very seasoned um, 8411 who was on his way out, essentially. Um, you know, uh, Staff Sergeant Cowden. And Staff Sergeant Cowden, basically, he, he had a, a really good um, leadership style as, like, he would, he would lay it all out there, overly explain it, so that way you wouldn't have an excuse if you didn't, if you couldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't, he, he, uh, he really didn't have that figure the fuck out mentality that a lot of Marines have. You know what I'm saying? Like he wanted to make sure like, Hey, like, do you get it? Do you not make sure you tell me if you don't. And so like, I appreciate him in that aspect. Um, you know, he would be there whenever, you know, I would go through my first couple of, you know, um, rejections or my first crappy TCs or DCs or stuff like that interviews, you know what I'm saying? Um, yo, um, Lobo's blogs first and first and foremost, congratulations to Staff Sergeant Cabrera, Feliz Dades, bro. Keep inspiring America's future, remain Semper Fidelis, Gunny Ram out, Rep 8411, don't go 12. (laughs) Yo, I love, bro, I've never met that man, but I've been talking to him on Instagram, bro, and I fucking love him, bro. He's a like, bro, I'm, dude, that dude is a fucking, like, I love Gunnies like that, dude. It's fucking great. But, yeah. um. Gunny Ram, Gunny Ram on the gram. He's legit, man. He's a good dude. Yo, I, I know. I've been going back and forth with him about a lot of stuff. But, um, but here's my thing, though, right? And I'm going to be the devil's advocate. Okay. I know how it feels to be a recruiter on the duty. You go to the gym. And within 20 minutes of being in the gym, your boss is calling you. ARI is calling you. Hey, what do you got for tomorrow? Hey, what do you got for tomorrow? Hey, what do you – and it's like, it's like, bro, y'all tell me to put it in my month in sight. Yeah. Then you, I'm tell me, you tell me that to go to the gym because I got to stay fit because I got to pass PFT, CFT, and I got to be in regulations. But when I'm at the gym, you're not letting me be at the gym. Yeah. So it's like – so a lot of people, again, I understand completely where you're coming from. Mm. I agree. But that was where my – and I'll tell this 100% of the time, bro. Like, my biggest fault in four years was I let myself fucking go. Yeah. Like, I – bro, I literally – dude, I literally didn't get meritoriously promoted 
because of my PFT. Mm-hmm. Like when I went on the EAD board, um, EAD is different than, than active duty. So mm-hmm. when you go to the EAD board, it's all the EADers across the country. Mm-hmm. So I made it to the last one and it was me versus some dude in Texas. Immediately, I was like, bro, he's in Texas. Yeah. He's going to win. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? Like, but, and that was me being bitter because the reality of it is, is that when I looked at his stats, his PFT dogged the shit out of mine. And that's the yeah. reality of it. Like, I, I let myself go, didn't have a good PFT. And, you know, so I didn't make time for it. But my question, and this isn't really for you, but it's for anybody is like, why do we put these expectations on Marines to go to the gym? But when they're at the gym, we're like, hey, where are you? Why aren't you at work? Yeah. And and it's like, bro, because like, like I know a lot of dudes, like my boy Spears. My boy Spears, phenomenal recruiter, could have been, like I swear to God, could have been recruiter of the decade, like <laughs> legitimately. But he just never cared about it. He never wanted to be, because the way that he saw it, and me and him had this conversation when I was his boss, he was like, bro, if I write four, I go home the same time as if I were if I write two. Yeah. So he was like, so why am I gonna go above and beyond for a cool nameplate when I realistically could just be with my family at the same time? And and that's how he felt. And that went, and when I tell you this dude literally could like he's one of the only people that I will say was probably better than me. Mm-hmm. Like legitimately, like bro, I could tell him, hey, listen, I need four, four, I need four contracts, and you can go home for the month. He would come walking in the. I'm not even lying, bro. He would come walking in the door with four contracts and be like, all right, I'm good for the month, and I'd be like, yeah. yeah. And 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 the reason why I bring it up though is because he would go to the gym. He had five gym. He had five gym memberships. So every gym that was in his AO. Every gym that was in his AO, he would and he would go there, he would work out, and he wouldn't speak to anybody. He would just wear a Marine Corps shirt like that, and he would just hit the gym, you know, hit the gym. And then people would come up to him and they'd be like, Oh, so what do you do? And I he'd love be like, Oh, I'm, like, oh, I'm a Marine yeah. Corps recruiter. And then he would just throw weights, throw weights, throw weights, and he would throw up some obscene shit. And people would come walking up to him, be like, Yo, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a Marine Corps recruiter. And they'd be like, But I see you here every day. He'd be like, Yeah, I get paid to work out. Yeah, and they'd be like, and then and that's dude literally, dude. He would do, he would do interviews, and I hated this. I fucking hated it. He would do interviews in PT gear, mm-hmm. and I would. And when I first saw it, I, I bugged out. Like, what the fuck? And he was like, Stasson. I met the kid in PT gear. Yeah, I just came from the gym. I got a same day. Yeah. I'm gonna go throw my uniform on to do an interview. Mm-hmm. He that was like, cool. or I could, or he was like, or I could just be me, how the kid met me, and just throw tags and have a casual conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro. And bro, this was three years into me being on the duty. And I was like, why the fuck did I never think about that shit? Like, <laughs> I, I, I literally was like, bro, you're not wrong. That's... And, and, and that was the thing, man. And that's, yeah. That's, that's funny because, uh, I, I was telling somebody that the other day, I was telling like two of my recruiters that the other day we were going to the gym and uh, I told them that a lot of, a lot of the success that I attribute or a lot of the reasons that I, you know, had was so successful was because I literally did what Spears was doing. I, I would go to the gym, 
I would wear um, a black Marine Corps pain is weakness, leaving the body shirt, right? Um, to the point where I could tell what batch numbers were going to be tighter and large than others. Like that's how many shirts I was wearing. Like that was like my go-to. Um, but I would, I would be in there working out and literally do the same thing. Like I was just doing my thing, headphones in, you know, messing around on, on Instagram or whatever. Um, not even like, not even trying to recruit and you would yeah. just, I would get EPPCs. There was like two or three EPPCs that I had that ended up being contracts that were like, yeah, I think I saw Marine Corps recruiter at Crunch Fitness. And I'm like, oh, really? Which one? He's like Orange Park. And I'm like, that's, that was me. Cause I'm the only dude that like yeah. that shirt all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that, that's, that's, that's the weird thing that I'm kind of coming across right now as a boss is you're told to do so many things by the book there yeah. nowhere in the EPM. Are you going to find, let your recruiters AC and PT gear. Right. Um, Bro. but realistically, like at the end of the day, if that dude writes a two or a three, and he ran all his bro, and that's, PT dude, gear. Then what are we gonna do? You know, bro. And th and that's the thing, man. Is like, and I and I'm glad that you brought that up because like, it's just bro. We we're we're told one of the biggest phrases the Marine Corps has mm -hmm. is adapt and overcome. Yeah. But on recruiting duty, that. on recruiting duty, once you start adapting, no, 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 no. That is not in the EPM. That is not in the volume one. You can't do that. Yeah, and it's like it's like, bro, like where, like if, and like you said, bro, like, I remember I had a buddy of mine, Santana, Yon, Yon, Dominican cat, one of if not the dirtiest recruiters I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like when I tell you this, and he's the guy I learned everything from. Mm -hmm. Like this dude, like kind of short, a little shorter than me. This dude at high schools. He would walk up to your table, sit down with you, and roast everybody at the table. Yeah. And not talk anything about the Marine Corps. Yeah. And then he would get up and walk away to his table. And people would be like, yo, who the fuck is this dude? Yeah. And then he just became like a sensation in the school. Mm. All the teachers knew him. All the people knew him. Or he would drive He would drive up and down Route 9, like the, the, the parkway or whatever, the highway. And he would pull over. And he'd be like, yo, what's good, man? Get in the car. You need a ride? Like, and people are like, yo, what the fuck? And people, yo, he was just doing it all the time. He's in the gov. Who cares, right? Yeah. But, like, just watching him interact with the community, with people and everything like that. But the funny thing was, is, like, he, I don't want to say he was, like, around when Chris first came out. But mm -hmm. it was, like, in the beginning stages of McChris, like, when they were transferring from the paperwork to the, you know, from the yeah. SNR paper to the McChris, right? And... He got taken off the – at least, remind you, this is I'm telling his story from what I understand, right? He got taken off the streets, essentially, because he wasn't putting his data in with Chris. They didn't care that he was a phenomenal recruiter, that he was writing bats. They didn't care about all this stuff. They literally were like, hey, you're not systematic. We're going to put you at headquarters. And then all of a sudden, he gets out to headquarters, and this Master Guns comes from, like, Mickrick or some shit. And is talking to him, and he's spitting all this knowledge mm -hmm. about APRs, about this, about that, about the pool program, about this, about that. And this dude and the master guns is like, why the fuck is he not a staff in COIC? <laughs> yeah. And he just starts laughing. He's like, yeah, no. He's like, I got six months left, bro. I'm leaving. Yeah. And and they were all like, wait, what? 
And literally it was because this dude wasn't doing it by the book. Yeah. But the reality but it of it is, is that like, exactly, exactly. And yeah. that's the thing is like, bro, like, listen, when we get all bent out of shape about numbers, it's like, dude, stop, man. And like, and, and it's like, that's why I want to have an 8412. Like, I've had a couple on here. And like, it's like, bro, like, I understand the purpose of numbers. But the purpose of numbers realistically would be to lower them. Yeah. Right? Not to well, have. To, from like, from, like, from what I understand. Like what, I'm, what I mean is like, yeah. when I mean to lower them is like, you want to be able to be eff effective as possible, right? Mm. You want to lower your ratios. Yeah. So, like, if I don't have to make 2,200 TCs in a month, then why would I want to? Yeah. If I'm giving you the result that's needed, then why are you still going to put me on for an astronomical <laughs> amount of numbers? And then that's when everybody starts chasing the dragon. Everybody starts chasing the number. And, and then you have people in the office that their mentality changes because we're chasing a, a number rather than a result, rather than changing a life. So, um, as a, as a very junior recruiter, right. Cause I've only been out here for like a year and some change. Yeah. My understanding of numbers, cause I've had two, two RIs at this point and Matt, uh, both of them are night and day, but they're both amazing at what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but master guns, Davis, uh, he's well retired master guns Davis. Now he pretty much broke it to me down like one way. He's like, he was talking to another recruiter at the time, but I was just overhearing right when I was supposed to be making TCs, just fucking off. Um, but basically the numbers aren't there for a guy who knows what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like the numbers, they're, they're not there. They're not there for you. They're there for the, basically the recruiter instructor and the ARI shop to be able to diagnose when somebody is not getting the results whenever they're putting in the effort. So yeah. they, they have to, but, but they can't, it, it's all word of mouth or it's all basically speculation until they actually yeah. get into numbers. So if yeah. a dude made a thousand phone calls and they can look at it and say, Hey man, at this time period, you were effective. Let's hit this time period versus like you calling like a cold ass list in the morning. Yeah. It makes sense to you and me, but for that one recruiter that's struggling, it may not make sense. It just gives no, them. Yeah. So that way. No, that and I completely, I completely understand the whole data thing behind it. And I'll never, I'm, I'm not saying I don't get that. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like you said, the data. And again, this is why I want to have like a lengthy conversation about this. <laughs> because I think that's a huge part of the problem yeah. is that, yes, it makes sense when you're chasing, when you're, when you're trying to enable somebody, you're trying to teach them in order for you to be, to get a good site picture, you need to be able to look at somebody's, you know, 90 days of data. You need to be able to look at someone and say, Hey, you know, that's why we have more Chris. If you close out your stuff the correct way, you're going to be able to actually understand when you should call at the right times, when you should AC at the right times, you're going to find out your hotspots. Mm -hmm. But like you said yourself, when you get the senior recruiter who already knows where to find the kids, where to find the contracts, to where to get his stuff. Why are we not doing a better job at his numbers? Mm -hmm. And I, and the reason why I say that is because like there's probably some people who will listen to this and be like, well, that's your job at the staff at UIC. I yeah, agree. I think it but is. But when you but when you make the phone call to the ARI and the RI, and then ops gets involved, and ops are like, hey, I noticed you're on for not enough TCs this month. It's like because I don't need to be. Yeah. 
and that's well, the, and that's where the whole argument of the numbers come into place, you know. But I don't want to get into that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, we'll never get off because there exactly, and there's no, there's no, you know, no one's gonna be like, oh, there's one right way of doing it or whatever. Um, so what, what would you say led you to be? I know we talked about the positive attitude, talked about going to the gym, but what are some other things? Like, what was your go-to? Did you AC a lot? Did you TC a lot? Did you DC a lot? Like, what was your go-to? to get the most out of your day dc's all day um so for me i remember um going back to to mass art uh quintero him being my brc instructor this man really made dcing like an art because the way that he made it seem was and ultimately it's it really is the truth is like looking at what he was posting and how he was posting it and how he used it and everything like that. I was like, man, you know what? That's like a really good idea because it's not, I don't make, I, I hardly make, I mean, I did make a few, but it wasn't like posts about like, Hey, join the Marine Corps. Cause we have this, that, and the other, it was just a lot of like exposure. Like, Hey, I'm yeah. doing this, like, Hey, I'm having fun. Hey, I'm doing this, that, and the other, Hey, I'm going to school, stuff like that. Um, you know, once my pulleys or once once I had applicants like contract and become pulleys, future Marines, I'd hype them up. I would tag them and stuff. And and realistically, like a lot of my DCs that I sent out that were like just cold, like on Instagram or whatever, after I would like, you know, you get the high school list and then you call. Obviously, you know, you're going to talk to the parents. So, you know, after you make a few of those and you talk to some parents that want nothing with a Marine Corps, you kind of like you know, start, you know, marking those down and then you just start looking this kid up on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You can find out if somebody's overweight. You can find out if somebody has a, a tattoo that's out of regs. You can find out if somebody's like completely in another state. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I just, I, I took the same mentality that I did um, while I was in Intel, um, just to the streets. And I, was, like, I, was I love it. Finding. So, fixing and finishing these cats that's all one of the question one of the questions that somebody asked was what did your morning look like how did you find success in the morning um because i know that's a hell of a lot of a problem for a lot of people yeah um a lot of people you know have that issue um mm -hmm. so how did you find success in the morning so in the morning honestly i would say the morning was probably my easiest part because it was so structured right um number one if you are in the summertime and you're going to run a morning PT, tell your pulleys that are coming to bring a friend, right? That's like the biggest thing. Um, that's the quickest way. Like there's so much with them in there for everybody, right? That friend is getting a free workout. You're getting an appointment if the kid's clean or in the clean screen. And then your pulley now is like, oh, shit, I might get promoted. You know what I'm saying? So like it's a win yeah. for everybody. So you do that. Um um, then after PT, you go straight to your EPPCs, check if you have any new ones, you know, if you have any that were just like sent to you or whatever. This is after you do your embryos and shit. Um, and then, uh, and then from there, my, I use this app called text recruit. So I don't know if I, some yeah. people are completely against it and, and to a point I kind of am too. Um, but I would use text recruit and I would have basically like mass text campaigns or basically like this thing would send a personalized text message to like an entire grad list yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah 
starting at like nine in the morning. And I already know it's the parent, but most parents that have a grad that's not doing anything with his life, right? They're going to see that text message and be like, yes, here's his number. Stop contacting me. Boom. Yeah. Got, got the got the direct name and number calling that kid right after. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that was basically my morning was everybody. I think everybody in Mickrick should have um, text recruit. I would say before you go home, um, set up a campaign to launch at yep. like 930 in the morning. Yeah. And then yeah, boom. I was using that right before I got off. We were using that. And it was. Yeah. It was it was definitely a, a game changer. Yeah. Um, and the and so the other thing about the morning, um, like for us, like when I was when I was the boss, number one on Fridays, we came in at like eight or nine, and then we did training until like twelve, mm-hmm. and then we would go out to lunch as an office, and then from there, boom, we would go out ACing or whatever because bro, so many people when they see the Marine Corps uniform and they're all and you're all together at breakfast or lunch it sparks conversation amongst the community people are like, oh what are you guys doing why are you here da, da, da. Yeah. and it's just also the time for you guys to be marines have camaraderie and get some good training in mm-hmm. um but the rest of the week as far as like the mornings like you said send like my boy what he would do my boy ramos he would send out all of his dcs in the morning because he realized that by the time like noon came that's when kids are starting to wake up if it's the yep. summertime or whatever, or vacation, or if they're in school, they didn't answer it yet. And then at like later on in the day, he would start having DC, you know, messages that he'd hit back. Um, and then in the morning, you know, following up with schools, doing all the administrative stuff, because realistically, no one's answering phone calls between 8 a.m. and 11 o'clock. Like realistically, no, no one's doing it. You know, no. so if you want to just throw out 45, 50 you, like, useless phone calls, Sure, but there's a lot more to do with your time. Or realistically, use that time to go to the gym in the morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that makes too much sense. Um, we we did that for a while, and it really worked. I think that, that worked more because I had, like I said, I had like three bosses. Um, one, of my, one of my bosses was actually my boy Garcia, Staff Sergeant Garcia. We, we met like way back in like 2015 at Sergeant's Course. And uh, once I knew that I was coming to a station, it was like, that's probably why I was so optimistic. Cause I knew like I'd have somebody to kind of help me out. Um, but yeah, his thing was we would all go to the gym at like nine in the morning. And I mean, we were making, we were making mission, we were making shipping, you know, we, we all had like a really good buy-in to, to come into work every day. I mean, it was awesome. Bro, so, I remember, and this is go back to the, you know, Hey, do this, but don't do this type thing. So I remember back in the day, I had a mass sergeant came out on the duty as a gunny, and the, the staff and COIC at the time was a staff sergeant. And mm-hmm. when he when the gunny came out, he was just a recruiter, and he noticed that like no one was PTing. So he was like, "Hey, we're gonna have PT." He's like, "We're gonna go to PT," and it started off like we were doing the morning gym at June gym routine. Then summer t- summertime came out, and he was like, "Hey." We're going to go to the Long Branch Pier. We're going to go to the beach. And we're going to start doing morning PTs at the beach. So everybody's going to see us. And then we're going to start, you know, we're going to start seeing it. And and we started getting, like, a huge, like, people were coming out to see morning PT. Like, we were talking to people, community, like, everybody and their mother. And then all of a sudden, it was people were posting on Instagram. Our police were posting on Instagram. The community was posting on Instagram. Like we were talking to the cops, like everybody was getting in on this. 
That's and then all of a sudden we get our staff at COSC get to call from the RI shop and the CO. And the question is, why aren't they at work? And it's like, dude, we got here at 0630. <laughs> we're PTing to like eight or nine. And then we're having breakfast with the poolies. And this is getting, because everybody wants to talk about the pool program. Yeah. But when yeah. you try to get the pool program better, it's like, hey, why, did, why are you focusing on this? Bro, you want a better pool program, but you want to allow us to build a better pool program. You yeah. want better IST scores, but you won't let us focus on PT. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing where it's like, it's <laughs> such a hard, it's such a hard line to tote. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like you, and then as a staff in COIC, you have all of these ideas and then you want to do this, but then you're being pulled this way and then you want to do this. And then it's just, bro, it's such a difficult duty. And <laughs> that's the reality of it, bro. Like, yeah, there's so much that goes into the whole entire thing. And, and that's why I started this version of the podcast, because like, if you've never been on recruiting duty, you will never understand the <laughs> likes of recruiting suck. duty. Yeah. Like you'll never get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, that, uh, like, I can relate to all that to an extent. I will say this, um, not because they'll eventually see this, but my my command group has been solid. Like, they've never really given me any pushback like that. They've never really, like, like if anything, they're they're very open to ideas. Right now we have an awesome – We I've had nothing but awesome uh, COs here. Lieutenant Colonel Gill was my first one, and he was just a rock-solid, like, artillery – gung-ho you know uh major and he was nothing but business right and then now um i have a pro uh my ceo currently major major lawrence she was a prior enlisted marine for like nine years mm. she's actually on the pamphlet she's on one of the pamphlets um, that's dope yeah it's really cool that's cool. actually on one of the pamphlets i want to say it's like the older pamphlet that was like for female marines i want to say mm. So eventually, like, I want to do, like, a reel, like, an Instagram reel with her, like, me showing the pamphlet to somebody, and then, like, boom, like, here she is, like, a whole-ass major in the, in the Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, like, I've, they've been awesome. They, all, they, 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 they want results. I, I really don't. And they want you to be systematic, but they're not against you thinking outside the box. But then that's, the, that's how it has to be. Yeah. Like, that's the problem, man. It's like there's so mm -hmm. many people that are so – like out of their bird like there's so many people like bro i'm telling you like when i got out of the command that i was in bro i was like thank you god thank you jesus like yeah uh like bro like dude like like conference calls four times a day like yeah, conference rough. calls at like 6 a.m about like it's like dude what are we doing like you want me to focus on and it's just nuts so it's good to hear i love hearing the success stories about good commands um because, like, bro, a lot of times that there's, you know, and this is like, and then again, again, anything we talk about, it doesn't have to immediately correlate to recruiting duty because reality, it all is under the umbrella of leadership. Yeah. And, and, and the reality of it is, is that in the Fleet Marine Corps, there would never be an issue if a PFC came to you and was like, hey, staff sergeant, I think that we could do this this way and it would be yeah. more effective. Mm -hmm. And then you, as a staff sergeant, are going to do one of two things. You're going to say, you know what? I never thought about that. Or you're going to look at him and be like, bitch, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. One of the two things is going to happen. One of the but two the things. Reality, yeah. But the reality of it is, is that 
there's so many people that come out on the duty with great ideas, great endeavors. And then when they start bringing them up, someone says, shut the fuck up. And then they're like, you know what, man, I'll just sit here. And yeah. we're bre- And that's the problem is that a lot of people come out here with the best intentions, but then get bred into not caring. Um, mm-hmm. Gunny Ram said the best job in the Marine Corps happens to be the hardest in the Corps. What makes it the worst are the, the 90% of the bad 12s and horrible RIs in my own experience. You go from hero quick, bro. Fact. <laughs> bro, it's not wrong, bro. It's not wrong, man. And, and it's the reality because like one of the reasons like I say that is because like I have friends of mine who are 84 12s and will literally tell you one thing face to face and then in another room with another 12 it'll be the complete opposite and Mm -hmm. and 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 now mind you that's everywhere in the world people have these issues but like you know like i remember one day um and this was like what gave me my this was where i kind of aligned with him is i was um you still there Where'd you go? Oh, oh you good. So um, so it's like June of 2021. I think my package is being submitted to 80 to be at 8412. And mm. I get called to headquarters randomly and abruptly um, to have a sit down. All I know is I'm going to see the RI at the time. That's all I'm told. I'm like, okay. Mm. So I walk, so I walk, I show up late. Okay. I did, and I showed up late. Because the, I was I was with an eighty four twelve, and I said, "Hey, I said, Gunny, we got to be there at twelve. It's a twenty minute drive." I don't, and he, his words were, "I don't give a fuck. We'll get there when we get there." And I was like, "Bro, if the RI is telling me I gotta come there for a reason, like I probably shouldn't be late." Yeah. And he's like, "Don't worry about it, bro. I got you." So we show up late, pull up to the headquarters, pull in, and this mass sergeant, brand new mass sergeant choose my ass out for being late and uh, and he's at 84 12. mind you the gunny who made me late didn't say hey mass aren't that was on me Dang. he just let it be that i was late so i was like whatever right so yeah. i walk into the room i sit down in the room and all these 84 12s are talking about my performance and literally every 84 12 in the room says to my face that they would not endorse me if it came down to it. Mm-hmm. Literally to my face, this is what they said. So this whole entire thing goes on. They go room to room to room to room, person by person by person, and they literally just tell me all this shit. I'm just sitting there like, good to go, good to go. And the RI at the time is like, do you have anything to say? And I was like, nah. I was like, y'all pretty much said it. I was like, not one of you is saying you're going to endorse me. So no matter what I say, you already feel how you feel, right? Yeah. Like that was my opinion, right? Yeah. So I leave the room, I get in my car, and I get a phone call from one of the twelves that was in the room. And I've known this dude for four years. I've known this dude my whole entire recruiting career. So he calls me. I'm like, "Hey, what's going on, Massar?" And he's like, "Bro." I'm like, "What's up, Massar?" He's like, "Yo, my bad." I said, "What?" He's like, you know, I really should have said something back there because, like, what everybody was doing was fucked up. I would definitely endorse you, but, like, everybody said they wouldn't, and, like, I'm about to retire, and, like, I kind of wanted to just come at everybody and defend you, but, like, I didn't want to make no waves. 
And I was like, bro, are you for real? Like this, you just yeah. called me to tell me this? I was like, bro, I was like, good to go, my sergeant. Click, I hung up the phone. And and that was the thing about it was like, I've met some, fen- and I will not lie. Like you said, like Gunny Ram said, I've met some phenomenal fucking 8412s. Some mm-hmm. life-changing people, people that I still talk to. But then at the same time, I've met some of the snakiest snakes that you'll ever meet in your entire lifetime. Yeah. And and it sucks because like again, had this conversation with Shane um official last night. That's the Marine Corps. It's yeah. t- there's toxic leadership, there's bad but it's also the civilian sector. You you have bad leadership that you have bad bro, it's life, it's it's reality. There's bad yeah. people everywhere. Yeah. You know, and 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 that's why I appreciate you. Because, like, even though you've met bad people, you made it the best you could on the duty. You came out positive, and you're doing what you can do. And like you said, it's like, bro, I can either be mad about the negativity or just be as positive as I can to make it off of this duty as, as best as I can. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Marine Corps, just like every other recruiting branch in the military, it all you all pull from society. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that's the thing. So whatever society is going to give you as far as qualified applicants, that's what you're going to bring in. You know, everybody goes through three months of training and we all have the same values, ethics, traits instilled into us. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it, 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 to me, I've always thought this, you know, it's not applicable to everybody because I've met some awesome Marines that had like a really crappy upbringing. Um, but you know, it, it's more so like the boot camp can only do so much. It's more so like how you are as an individual, how you were brought up is really going to affect like how you are. So, Bro, you know, you, you have those individuals you, that, that are snaky, that, that are, that are fake. Bro, it's, you, you're not wrong, bro. It's, it's, it's yeah. you're, you're right. Because I don't know. So there was a, um, a football player. I'm not huge in the sports, but he was in the giants. Uh, his name is Rashad Jennings. Mm-hmm. I had, I had the ability to meet him. Right when he was a rookie and he did that crazy ass run touchdown, like I yes. met him like a couple of weeks later when he was a huge deal, um, and I had the chance to meet him. He's a Christian. He came to our church to do a speak to a, to, to do a seminar, and one of the questions that people at one of the questions that he was asked was, "Do you find it hard to be famous and live and live in that world while being a Christian because you're mm-hmm. surrounded by sex, drugs, alcohol, and all of this stuff?" And his answer was, money only maximizes who you already were. He was like, I love books. I love shoes. He was like, so guess what I did when I bought my mansion? (laughs) I bought a lot, I put a library in it. Yeah, I was about to say, library. He was like, because that's who I am. So he's like, I took my money and I maximized who I already was. And that's the same thing with the Marine Corps. You cannot, no matter how much we try to, characteristics, traits, everything. We cannot change who the person is. We gave them the ability to, now they have to take the ability and actually do it. So people are gonna be snakes, people are gonna be who they are, no matter what they are. They're gonna hide who they are in front of you until you find out the reality. Um, But yeah, it's everywhere and anywhere. Um, But not not for everybody though, because I have met, I have met Marines that come from a really bad environment or a really like toxic environment. And they completely buy in 
as everybody should, to everything that the Marine Corps is about, the leadership traits, Amen. the leadership yeah. principles. And you and, and those per, those people, I would say I'm probably one of them um, because I was not as hardworking and I wasn't as driven of an individual bro, as I'm I think I am now. Yeah, um, I'm one of them, bro. Prior to everything. <laughs> like, yeah. um, no, you're right, bro. So that, that, you know, it, it, we draw from society, but I, I do believe in the full transformation as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, 100%. You, you will have somebody that like basically is baptized by fire and comes out as like a hey, way better individual. No, a hundred percent. Um, so what are some of the, so what my, my, my next question really would be, what are some of the stressors, especially with you being a brand new staff in CIC? How did it feel transitioning from recruiter to staff NCO? Because a lot of people, like myself, was like, oh, bro, being a staff NCO, I see skate. It's all right. You do nothing anyways. And then all of a sudden, you become a staff and you're a, a staff NCO, I see. And you're like, God, bro, why do oh, uh, ah. you realize yeah. how much work it, it takes? Um, so First off, I would say my, my advice to anybody coming off the streets as a successful recruiter and then being in the boss seat is you just have to have a short memory when it comes to your victories, right? Like nobody gives a fuck about how good you were as a recruiter, right? Those stats aren't going to help you anymore. You can't hide behind that fame that, you know, is built up, you know, in recruiting duty because, you know, you know how it is. People see you at all hands and you could have been a shit Marine, but then you come out here and you figure out on recruiting duty and you're like, God, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you're the reason why, like, the RS is closing and shit like that. So, like, they're like, fuck, like, this dude, you know, praise him. But yeah. uh, once you become a boss, you have to have a short memory every day of the good and the bad. Um, with recruiting, there's a lot of things as a recruiter that you don't realize that your staff in CIC is doing for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, in the sense of like how I was treated as an A gunner, right? As an A gunner, um, I was helping manage the production. So I knew that I kind of had to let off the gas as far as what I was doing to keep everybody productive, right? Now, what my boy Garcia was doing at the same time, too, was he was kicking me leads and um, EPPCs because, hey, you know, this it's not necessarily in your zip code or in your, he's not one of your schools. However, Hey man, you've been helping me out covering down for me as, as I'm trying to like push productivity. Here's a lead. Here's a bone. You know what I'm saying? Um, now you still got to make it happen. Obviously you still got to interview that kid. You still got to, you know, you know, be aggressive and, you know, get that most aggressive commitment. However, um, that's one thing that you got to realize as a boss is, uh, you know, you, you have to be humble very humble. Um, another thing too is not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody has the same mentality. A lot of the Marine Corps is... Or the same know, work ethic. Yeah, or the same work ethic. Um, or maybe they do, they just need um, more guidance, right? Some people, yeah, they yeah. think, some people's definition of worth ethic is being at work from 08 to like 2000. But yeah. they don't really like, you know, in that time period, there's really no results. Um, that, that, that may constitute somebody's like, oh, I'm working hard. I'm here all day. And I'm like, well, are you really working? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, not every not everybody on your team is going to think like you. Not everybody on your team is going to be as great, as aggressive as you. Some Marines really are out here just to get their two and to go home. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? 
Um, but then there's some Marines that do want to do more. They just need more guidance. And um, you really, you really just have to understand um, your team. You know what I'm saying? Like you, it, the, the, some people think that recruiting duty is like the most far thing from the Marine Corps that there is. But I would yep. say that it's probably the most Marine. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not out there, you know, blowing stuff up and flying aircraft and all this and that. But as far as what it comes down to, as far as the leadership traits and principles, being a Marine, you use those every day. Um, and, and not and only if, that, I, though, it's just you should be. And, and not only that, though, it's just like where besides being in the infantry. Mm-hmm. When are you in a close knit group like this for three straight years? Yeah, that's like true. bro, like I'm not gonna lie, man. Like I've been off the duty for a year, and I can't count the amount of times that I'm like at my job, and I turn around and I'm like, "Yo, Mo," and I'm like, "Oh shit, he doesn't work here. And he's <laughs> yeah. like in North Carolina, and I'm here." Yeah. Or like I'm like, "Yo, Turkey." Or like I, I come home and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go chill with him. And I'm like, oh, no, he's PCS. And mm-hmm. then it's like, and that's the thing is that like there's nowhere else in the Marine Corps, again, besides the freaking fighting hole, where you're with somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where you, you literally see know you see everything the about kids. them. You yeah. know, yeah, exactly. Like, And you know everything about them. It's like yeah. when some, like my boy was like, yo, you know, I drink water. I was like, bro, I've never seen you drink water in three years. All I've seen you drink is Red Bull, Mountain Dew, and freaking Jaeger bombs. Those are the only yeah. three liquids I've ever seen you drink. And it's like, and then yeah. he's like, yeah, you're not wrong. That's probably why I had a stroke, you know? And um, yeah, my buddy, if you haven't listened to that episode, anybody who's listening, my buddy had two strokes while on recruiting duty um, and made it off the duty and is now in Beaufort. He, he will tell you. He was, uh, and that's why, bro, that's why when people complain about recruiting duty, I, I'm like, yo, shut the fuck up. Until you've had a stroke, been airlifted, and then put back on numbers the next day. <laughs> like, bro, some funny shit. I told this in the, in the uh, past episodes, but um, it was one of my first episodes I ever did. But my boy, Durkee, has a stroke. Me and my boy, his wife calls me at 3 a.m. telling me he had a stroke. And that they're being airlifted to to the hospital in Pennsylvania. Um, so me and my boy, uh, me and my boy Mo, we the next day get in the car. We drive out to go see him at the hospital, and um, I bring a, a printed out list from my, from his high school, and and this dude's stuttering. He's like, "What's what's what's up, Bennett?" And I dropped the list on like literally, bro, for weeks, for months. He was like stuttering. Couldn't make TCs. Like, it was bad, man. Um, but being Marines, we fuck with him. We're joking around with him. We're making fun of him. And the nurse is like, yo, are y'all fucking for real? So me and my boy, and you ever see the movie Tropic Thunder? Yeah. So you know the part where he's, where he's Jack, Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. where he plays the dude with the speech impediment? Yeah. So my boy Morales goes, I think I love you. And he goes, duh, duh, duh. And, the, and the nurse is like, yo, how the fuck are you making fun of this dude? He just had a stroke, da, da, da. And I hand him a list, and I'm like, hey, bro, here's your gov, make TCs. I'm like, you need an appointment for Monday. He's like, what the fuck? And, like, literally, dude, dude grinded it out for two more years. He ended up a year later, he passed out, collapsed at a table setup in his high school, was literally 
the kids, luckily enough, all the kids had left the room and he mm. was standing at a table set of cleaning up and all of a sudden just passed out on the floor. I will um, never complain about recruiting duty ever again. Bro, I'm telling you, man. And, and, and what, you know what the, but the craziest thing was is that, and this dude was literally like one of the, still to this day, one of the, like that dude got me through the duty. Because like yeah. as I watched all that shit happen, I was like, bro, if you can live through two strokes and a speech having to recover his speech, having to literally like there was times where he would like he would like his mouth would stop open, like mid like mid interview. Yeah. He would look over at me and he would like we 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 came up with signals. Because like he would be mid mid interview and he would lose his speech and I would have to just hop down and sit down and, and just make believe like this shit didn't happen. But the mm -hmm. thing about it, though, was that the motherfucker never quit, dude. And he had a seat at Wounded Warriors. Our Sergeant Major, when he had the stroke, our Sergeant Major and CEO got him a seat to go down to Wounded Warriors. And mm -hmm. he literally said, listen, I volunteered for this duty. And he had two years left on the duty, bro. He said, I volunteered for this duty, and I've never quit in my entire life. I'm not quitting now. And That's everyone was like, bro, like. That's a Marine. We exactly bro now, <laughs> you know and he bro, he made it off the duty dude and 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 now mind you he wasn't the best recruiter but the dude bro he never quit and i never saw anybody work nearly as hard as that dude never in my life bro that's my boy i owe him a beer yeah yo he's uh he's from florida but um is he i i have no idea what part okay he, there's he, a there's an app there's an app that you can send beer now i sent uh uh, Sergeant Flores really? over in, uh, uh, Nico Flores. I sent him some beer for like getting me. I can't remember what it was. It was something minuscule, but he was like, "Oh man, I got you." I was like, "Dude, I owe you a twelve pack." That's so, dope. Yeah, but um, um, Gunny Ram said, "You two motivate the hell out of me. Keep at it and never forget where you come from. Prospect right. sell and please take care of the pool, bro. That's the reality of it, man. True. Yeah, but um." Bro, we've been going at it for like an hour and a half. Um, before before we end this, um, what advice do you have for anybody, whether it's the newly promoted to staff and CEO, or yeah. whether it's the struggling recruiter, or the guy who's doing just okay? Like, what advice do you have for them? Um, what do you got? So, I'll, my advice is just regurgitated advice that I got from my mentor Sarah Roth. Um, she used to be a Marine with me at second Intel. Um, but she's pretty much been my, my best friend. Um, but basically what she told me once was that, you know, be a sponge. You can learn from anybody and everybody. Um, don't discredit somebody's knowledge based on their rank. Right. Um, which was a lot, what a lot of people do. Um, even, even the fucking police, you can learn something from them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but be a sponge uh, as as much as we've kind of like, you know, talked about how we kind of figured out without being so systematic. You, you, you do want to at least have basic product knowledge um, 100%. And, and be well versed in it. If you want to be successful on this duty, it's just like everything else in life. You have to be willing. You have to be willing to do what you what you don't want to do. You have to you have to do you have to do things that you don't want to do, but you have to do them like you love them. You know what I'm saying? To, to the point where you do love them. Um, I hated spending so much time 
um, away from my kids, just basically getting into the nitty gritty of the GI Bill because we just basically give that blanket like, hey, everything's covered, this, that, and the other. And I mean, it, it got to the point where I was like, hey, you know, if you're looking into a STEM degree, you know, you actually get more money and here's how much. Um, getting into, you know, the quality, you know, you have to really understand what the Marine Corps is about, but at the same time too, what I've seen be successful may be different, but I'll say this. I sold myself. I never changed. I love cars. I love anime. I love Gundams. I love nerd shit. I love the Green Ranger, like all this stuff. And all I did was I just told my story the entire time as I was Bro, a recruiter. And that's, that's what, that's all it was. Bro, that's it, dude. And I literally, I'm, again, like you said, bro, I'm proof of that. Because, like, I am the, when I tell you I'm the, when you meet me in person, I'm a, I'm a recruiter. Mm -hmm. I'm the most asshole motherfucker <laughs> you'll ever meet in your life. Bro, I'll, I'll walk up to you. I'll tell you, you're playing as shit. You're garbage. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I literally, bro, like, and, but that's who I am. Yeah. That's who I am. Like, I am an asshole. Like, I'm literally an asshole. I'll make fun of you and then make you into an NWA contract. Like, and but the thing is, is that like, there's so many people that I literally did that to, and then everyone would be like, "Oh, that kid's never gonna come back." And I'm like, "Okay, he's back." And then and then two years later or a year later, the kid will come and sit in the office, and I'll be like, "So what happened?" And he'll be like, "Everything you said was gonna happen." Yep. Boom. Wow. It's like and I, I and I, yeah. And and the reality of it is, is that they would come back, and they'd be like, "Yo, you know why I fuck with him? Because he was real." Yeah. So that that's. That's what's been my biggest, like, other than being heavy in the DC um, social media platform, the biggest thing that I've been told by my pulleys and, and now Marines is I was just real. Um, bro, and that's the, nothing, and that's the biggest yeah. thing, bro. Like, we, like, we're so scared. We're so scared to be honest with these kids. But the, the fact is, man, you're going to see that pulley in the fleet if he graduates exactly. later on. And how are yeah. you going to look? You know what I'm saying? No, so, exactly. And and then on top of that, too, it's like, bro, it takes too much for you to be fake. And then God forbid bro. you show up one day and you yeah. forget what fake you are. Yeah, that's fucking. And it's, that's and so it's like, and, and on top of that, it's just the reality of that. There's people just like you everywhere. Yeah. And the big, and I got a lot of fucking flack for this when I said this on one of my episodes. I had like a whole bunch of people like, this guy's an idiot. I said, you are the product knowledge. Yeah. Because you are. Yeah, you are. You are literally the fucking product, bitch. Yeah. Like, if you can't walk around confident being a Marine after 12 years in the Marine Corps, there's a problem. Yeah. And, it, and no, I mind you, like you said, going deeper into the GI Bill, going deeper into all those things, all phenomenal things. But the reality of it is, is that if you're a Marine and you don't have all of those 11 benefit tags, there's a problem. 100%. If you can't, if yeah. you cannot look at a benefit tag and describe it and explain it and enable it, there's a problem, bro. Yeah. Are you saying like if the, saying in the sense of like, you don't have a macabre in front of you and shit like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard that before. I mean, like, so here's my thing, right? As a Marine, like let's just take all of the recruiting duty away. Right. Mm-hmm. As a Marine, as a Sergeant, as a Staff Sergeant, do you not exhibit every single one of the 11 benefit tags? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, as a, now, clearly it's hard to do this because you're a recruiter right now, but mm -hmm. 
if you were a normal staff sergeant in the fleet marine corps and you were going to talk to somebody about the 11 benefit tags could you do it yeah so why is it that when you're put on recruiting <laughs> duty yeah you no longer can do it yeah it's uh that, that's like it doesn't make sense it's yeah. like you and i say this to to reservists all the time you have marines that are fucking doctors that are fucking navy like they do they build boats they do all this shit they're ceos of companies mm -hmm. and they put camis on and they become a lance corporal and they're fucking idiots yeah it's wild. and it's like bro you were just a doctor yeah and it's like why is it that you literally can do all this stuff in the fleet marine corps and then you're put on recruiting duty and you're just like uh yeah the, the, because the, like the pressure like, I don't, the I, people Mm, you know exactly. what I'm saying? like yeah you, you got that pressure you I, I know marines that i mean at all hands we all we all get you know a little sideways but you know they they love the marine corps they're talking about how they miss the fleet and how they want to get back and all this and the other and i slowly started realizing that they're literally mc3ing themselves about getting back to the fleet what the benefits were of the fleet what they got out of the fleet and i'm like damn man like if only like if only you were that enthusiastic about it right but that's that that's the thing bro <laughs> and that's why like i don't get it like that's why I, I i literally like that's why i got mad about stuff because like my boy quavos that i brought up he lo he has a a nissan 370z or whatever i don't know like right. a really nice car like yeah. it's a really nice car do put a lot of fucking money into it and if you walked up to him and asked him about his car he could you could be a complete stranger and he'll tell you everything about it for the next four hours. Yeah. But if you say, Hey man, I want to join the Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, fuck. yeah. And it's like, you can't talk about technical skills. You can't talk about, you exactly. know, financial, and your, your aviation. You can't talk about the fact that you have all this money in your savings account and financial skills. Like I just don't get it. Yeah. I just don't. And literally, he, and he would do that. That sound. He'd go. Duh. It's the it's the pressure. Um, I you know we all talk about you know how we endure boot camp and how that's gonna set us up for for everything we can experience. But it, it's rough. It's hard. I don't know what what exactly it is. I remember my first couple interviews. Um, but you're in front of somebody that's 17 years old that realistically, like on paper, isn't shit compared to you. But that's the worst part. <laughs> That that's is the worst fucking yeah. part bro. yeah that's the when you like look you're at telling it telling me like yeah. you're telling me that you can't sit in front of somebody who's that's literally it. done nothing i, I don't yeah. all right hold on i'm not gonna say done nothing because we don't know what people have gone through yeah people true. have gone through some shit at young ages I so i'm not kid, gonna say that i had a kid that was carried on his back uh his grandmother carried him through the civil war like no shit like getting shot at and stuff he's a marine oh, now wow. so, yeah so yeah so like, I wouldn't exactly so like yeah. So we don't know what people have gone through, right? But it's the reality of that, like, bro, you've been in the Marine Corps for long enough that, like, you should be able to do everything you learn at BRC. Like, realistically, it's yeah. naturally carrying on a conversation. Like, that's why I don't understand. the, And that's why, to me, it's just excuses. Mm -hmm. Like, and that was yeah. a conversation that I had with the Master Guns. And I was like... Because, like, for me, like, when I was on recruiting duty, like, I have a whole bunch of awards, but I didn't care about awards. Mm -hmm. Because when, like, my boss was, like, I remember I was talking to this master gunny, and he was, like, um, like, my one of my Marines did something. 
And I said, cool. Like he called me, he called me his, I, the master guns were sitting right there. And he called me and he was like, Hey, Staff Sergeant, I got a, I got two appointments for tomorrow. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Hung up. Yeah. And the master guns was like, that's it. I was like, yeah, he did his job. What else do you want me to do? Mm. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I was just like, bro, like in my mentality, as a Marine, the way that, and especially how I brought up as a family, like from my father, like, bro, this is your job. Your job is to write contracts. Why should anybody be like, hell yeah, man, when you did your job? Now, if you do over your job, yeah, you write threes, fours, bats, all that stuff. Now, that's a totally different story. But in my thought process, like, there's so much excuses given to the I can't do this to that it's like, bro, if you put as much energy as to I can't, you would you would write two a month. God damn. The real shit I ever heard. Um, like like am I like do you agree or no? Because a lot of people don't no, agree with me on that. I, I I'm a hundred percent so is this is this so well I, I I'll give you a little bit of a perspective of it. It was my 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 current SAR major at the command right now told me something that made so much sense, right? Because I I was I was like um I was kinda in my feelings more so about like why why do recruiters get like all these awards right and then you got like marines in the fleet doing like above and beyond and they don't they don't get you know the nams or the comms or stuff like that but what he said was the reason that you guys are the reason that this happens is because you don't understand how many marines dodge this duty like the plague and you're here and you're grinding it out on arguably the hardest you know SDA that there is in the Marine Corps. And then if, you know, the Marine Corps is the hardest branch in the military, ultimately the hardest SDA in the military. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that that's kind of why I'm like, yeah, you know what? You should, you should be somewhat, you know, praising your recruiters when they do good stuff. But yeah, I, I get, I get that as well. Um, if they're just doing their job, it's expected. Yeah. Get your lunch, get your lunch bucket, and go to work, and then come home. That's yeah, it. Yeah, like, like, bro, like, I, I, and and the thing with me was, and 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 one of the things that he was saying was like, well, wouldn't you have liked that if 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 your you know your boss did that for you? And I was like, no, because I wouldn't be who I am now. Mm -hmm. Like that's just my mentality. Like, like at my job, if my if I do something right, that's my job as a marine to do something right. Like, and and the way that I compute it to is like, again, yeah, I'm a reservist, but the fleet Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. If your job is motor T and your job is to PM trucks, if you go out and you do your job, does your sergeant say, hell yeah, you PM trucks today. Fuck <laughs> yeah, man. No. Yeah. No one does that because it's your fuck right now for the next three years. It's your fucking job. Yeah. So just do your job. And that's the thing is that like, now mind you, I'm not saying that I don't agree with like, like I told you, my boy Spears. I told him, hey, write me four. I will give you two weeks off. Yeah. He didn't believe okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't he didn't believe me. So I picked up the phone, called the CEO, and said, Sir, if he writes a, if he writes four right now, will you give him two weeks of leave? The sir said yes. Put it in the system, I'll approve it right now. Boom. <laughs> so those are things that I'm gonna fuck with. I'm gonna let's go right now. Yeah. But like when you come into my office and you say, Hey, I have a appointment for tomorrow. Bitch, that's your job. Yeah, and where's the other two? Like, <laughs> and then and then on top of that, is he gonna show? Yeah, that's true. Like, 
you know, so like for me, it's like, and getting back to, and kind of just recapping it, like my biggest thing in the whole entire situation is any recruiter that I've ever met that was subpar, and again, this is my, my opinion, was somebody with a negative attitude. Yeah. I've never, I've never met a recruiter with a positive attitude that was subpar. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that because like, bro, like I've had so many dudes, like my boy Arana, I talk about him all the time. This dude had the thickest Spanish accent I've ever heard in my life. He would have to repeat his name six times before he got anyone on the phone. Let's and go. he would just keep saying his name, Arana, Arana, Arana. And he would just keep saying it. And the point of the matter is that that dude still wrote two a month no matter what. Yeah, solid. That's all you want. And that's it. That's it, bro. <laughs> I don't want no more. Two a month, two write, a month, two bro, a month, you take care of your pool. A, yeah, yeah bro, it. if you can't write two a month, bro, like, and that's my thing is like, yeah, there's it's... people that I've seen that literally have language barriers that, and that can kill it on the streets and it's like bro your first language is english motherfucker <laughs> and you can't write oh man and yeah. then and then again and then you have people who are like oh well you know i'm you know i'm uh i'm introverted bro i've met some of the sickest introverted dudes kill it on the streets yeah. because guess what they wanted to go home and be introverted and play video games yeah. so they're like you know what man i gotta be extroverted for two hours of the day i'm gonna do it so i can get the fuck going Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just uh, just like, just like uh, in the Marine Corps, man, you just gotta find a way. You just gotta find a way. No excuses. But that's what I'm saying, bro. That's the problem. Is that all of a sudden on recruiting duty, we welcome excuses. Yeah. Like I don't know how many times I heard from sergeant majors while I was on the duty. Like, and I heard this from mo- I, I while I was on the duty, I had three. All three of them said shit like, you know what, motherfucker? Just come to my office and quit. And I'm and, and in my head, I'm like, bro, in your whole entire Marine Corps career, when has quitting ever been an option? Yeah, that's true. Tap and it. now and now you're putting it on the table. Like the first day that these Marines come into the RS and they're doing their first training, you say, the only way off of this duty is making it or quitting. And yeah. now you put into their head, oh, wait, I can quit? Yeah, I can go home. Why, why is that even a fucking thought? Yeah, it's rough. Marine Corps it's, changing in that aspect. Like, I, I'm just like, bro. And then that's the thing, too, is that the people, like, I could never respect you. Like, if you quit. <laughs> bro, yeah. Yeah, it's different. Bro, and I've had it happen, bro. I had a dude when I first got on the duty. He literally walked out of the office, told the gunny I quit, got in his gov, drove to headquarters, got out of his gov, handed the sergeant major his keys and was like, I'm done, bro. And then went and sat down in admin. And I was like, how, bro, you're a staff sergeant in the United States Marine Corps and mm-hmm. you and quitting is an option? Yeah. He just got up out of the fighting hole, laid down his rifle and just said, I'm out. <laughs> bro, and that's what I'm saying, bro. Yeah, same thing. And like, and then Marines talk about, you know, quality of life, bro. You're never going to have quality of life in an RSS. If you're not all firing on the same fucking pin, if you're not all firing on the same cylinder or whatever you want to say, like, 
if you're not doing everything as a team and you're not all working together, it's just never going to happen. Yeah, that and then a good understanding of what quality of life is on an SDA. Because I think a mm -hmm. lot of Marines mistake quality of life as like fleet quality of life versus yep. like quality of life on an SDA. Because well, an SDA, too, it's an SDA for a reason, you know, it's, it's to get yeah. you promoted later well, on. And the, and the thing, too, is that there's so many people that are selfish. Like, a lot of times, you know, instead of thinking about it like this, it's like, and it's something that I, I told my guys, I was like, listen, guys, we all know we got to do MEPS runs. Mm -hmm. We know that's a part of this life. So, oh, snap. You know, where did you go? Where did you go? Yo, where did you go? I don't know where he went, guys. But so um, what I was going to say is I have no idea. Um, so we already went for an hour and a half. I'm going to just drop this here. Um, anybody who has been on, I appreciate the hell out of you. Jay Spirit, thank you for tuning in from Japan. That's dope. Um, Gunny Ram. Oh, here he is. Hold up. Yo, you're back. Yeah. But um but what was I saying? Uh quitting. Oh yeah. Not an yo, and and that's and that's the thing, man. Like it, bro, we're Marines. I don't know why that's an option. The reality of it is is that if every oh that's what I was saying with the MEPS runs. Everybody knows we have them. So there's no reason why we can't think about them at a month's time. You know what? Hey, this Sunday, we all know I have the shippers. I got the shippers. You yeah. be with your family. Take the time out of your family because that's what a team does. Mm -hmm. I have this sector of fire. You have this sector of fire, whatever. That's the part of it where, like, I feel like on recruiting duty, people forget that they're fucking Marines. Like, I think okay. that literally is the thing. And that's why I met a couple of years ago General Glenn. He was the the CEO of um, of Paris Island when I was on recruiting duty, and I got an award. He came down to meet me. Well, he came out to New Jersey, and because I, he was there, he said, "Hey, I want to meet Bennett." So I meet him. He gives me this cool coin, and he says, "Hey, what do you want to say to the staff and CEOs?" At the time, I was a recruiter, and I was like, "Well, sir, I was like, I I really have a question for you, sir." And he was like, "What's that?" I was like, "Why do we keep telling Marines that this is an individual duty?" Mm. Damn. And he was like he was like what do you mean and i was like well because sir i was like in your whole entire career of being in the marine corps have you ever been taught to be an individual no <laughs> yeah. but now all of a sudden you get put on this duty and they, they literally title it an individual duty yeah why because realistically i get it it's your apr your fit rep reflects your apr i get it it's your numbers uh, whatever but at the end of the day, when I write four, am I really being an individual? No. <laughs> when we when we make mission as a team, when the RS makes mission as a team, when this happens as a team, are we really being individuals? And that's uh -huh. the problem. Yeah. Is that if we if we put this negative connotation on the duty as it is an individual duty, now you leave BRC a different marine 
in your head because for the first time it's like, oh, I'm in, like, and now mind you, I'm not saying this happens to everybody because it doesn't. But now you have this idea put into your head that, oh, it's an individual duty. Mm -hmm. And then people become individuals and they become fucking individually pieces of shit. Yeah, that's a uh, damn man. Like that's that's so real um, because I can I can relate to you on like when you're legit like emptying your bag. You know what I'm saying? Like when you know it's an individual duty, right? It's your APR, but the circoms and the the accolades and all that shit only goes so far. What you really care about is your boys celebrating mission being made. I mean, that's yeah. that's the best feeling ever. So. There was plenty of times um, that I was at, uh, this this past year as a recruiter where I had to like lay it all down. Like I'm talking about like six six in month, five grads. Oh, no, <laughs> one, and that's the, one and senior, that's the thing. and I'm like, dude, like realistically, like you can you can look at it in both ways. Why would you do that? Because you want to be good for your two for next month, but in reality, like what are you doing? If you lay down your six and then next month you emptied your bag guess what your team's still gonna remember that six you're still on a 3.0 for the two those two months like like it you you really do have to buy into the team aspect so i think what you just said right now makes so much sense and i really do feel like a lot of recruiters need to understand that because a lot of them are so engulfed especially the pcs marines because i was one too um but in a different scenario like my pcs was like 20 minutes Right. But there are yes. probably there, there probably is a PCS Marine out there that's like, hey, I go home when I want to go home. If I got appointments, I got appointments. If not, whatever. At the end yeah. of the day, though, man, like the poor bastards that are like hoping that you do your job like over, you know, in the at the main station, um, you know, you got to think about them, too. Uh, no, so that's and that's the thing, real man. stuff right there. And that's the thing, man, is that no one. And again, I know we keep going, but like a lot of the shit that aggravates me you know like we were, i was talking about my boy who had a stroke right mm -hmm. i have another boy who who was on the duty i'm not gonna say his name um it's a very personal story but i have a friend <laughs> of mine who was on the do i have a friend of mine who's on the duty and he was at his house he was at work right he was at work comes home and he walks into his house it's like 10 i think it was a i think it was a saturday after pt where it was like yeah i think it was like a saturday at the pt comes home and all of his belongings are gone his wife's gone kids gone mm. and he calls his wife and his wife's like hey i just left with the kids and he's like what and she's like i just I, literally I, I left you i left you you don't have time for me you're not making time for me boom so he calls his boss to let him know like what's going on and the boss is like hey man you're good bro just come back to work work the day and you'll forget about it. In a way. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah and it's, it's like, dude, and it's like, and it's like, bro, now mind you, this man continued, even after his wife left him, continued to write force, continued to write force, continued to, to kill it. And and now, you know, some people are like, nah, man, that dude didn't care about his family. There's any you we can all misconstrue things which way. Or like I, I know other Marines who had stillborn babies, you know, and lost children while on the duty mm -hmm. and still wrote contracts at the cyclic rate, you know, and did all these things. And that's why it's like when I hear Marines complain about being on recruiting duty and then I know people who've personally lost children 
And I know people who've lost family members, divorces, all of these things that they couldn't really control. And you're complaining about a duty. And it's like, bro, there's Marines who've made it off this duty that have gone through things you'll never understand. Yeah. And that's why it's such, it's so hard and so aggravating when I see Marines want to quit. And it's like, bro, if this dude never quit after everything he went through and is still going through, then why the fuck are you even contemplating quitting? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, I think, you know what I mean, and it's yeah. it's just it's it's fucking sad, man. Which is why, like, I, which is why I hate, I hate when I see a marine do a going away speech, and not say anything. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate it. And nine times out of ten, if they if they if they don't give a going away speech, it means that they couldn't stand the command. They have not one word nice to say, and they're like, bro, I'd rather just not say shit. Yeah. But what I would encourage anybody who's listening to the podcast. What I would encourage you to do is take that time to talk to the recruiters. Don't acknowledge the command, but talk to the recruiters about what it took for you to make it off the duty and just find the the last day. Because there's a lot of Marines who deal with alcoholism, depression, anxiety, all these different things, and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about (laughs) what it led to or how you got through it to get off the duty yeah no that's, you know I mean? that's true yeah a solid but, yeah but hey i know you got family to go back to and we've been going for like almost two hours bro um yo i thank you man for for this i appreciate the hell out of you man um keep doing what you're doing keep getting haircuts on you know on, on the weekends um and just Yo, I can't wait to see you continue to grow as a staff NCO. I can't wait to see you, you know, RS of the year next year. I mean, got to you, yeah. Um, bro, you got to one up yourself, man. Just like, just like Gunny, just like Gunny Flores, you got to one up yourself. That man, bro. that man is an inspiration. I, I, I you bro, could, you can't make it up. Like you just, bro. Yeah. So the things that that man is doing, bro, it's fucking crazy he's like he's he's been he's been my main selling point like honestly like the the times that i've like talked to kids about educational benefits and like you tell me right now you can't make the time but this dude out here is like a whole ass di and that's the thing too is like you got all these recruiters talking about how bad this duty is Mm -hmm. and then the funny thing was is I, i did an episode with him and i posted it on the marine recruiting page and somebody was like well because you probably he he probably got his doctorate because he didn't. Have, he wasn't a good recruiter, and I was like, "Bitch, he recruiter was a recruiter of the, of the nation." The fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, it's not like he was some dude doing his homework while not writing contracts. Like, no, he did all of it, and it's and that's the thing, man. It's like seeing people like him persevere and 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 not quit. Is it just makes me so mad when I hear people say, "I'm I'm done." Yeah. Like, oh, but all right, man. Yo, I appreciate you. Have a good rest of the night, man. Enjoy your kid. Um, and get back to work, man. We need appointments for tomorrow. Yeah, I was about to say, I gotta go, I gotta go close out my, my events. Man. <laughs> all right, bro. <laughs> Later.